Yeah, you. Yeah. Come here. Come here for a minute. No, come here. It's okay. It's okay. I got something to tell you. Yeah. No, no, no. It's cool. Hey, listen. You new here? Uh-huh. You new here, huh? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Where you from? Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, listen. You know what's going on around here? You don't. You don't. Yeah. That's sure. Because ain't nothing going on. Ain't nothing. Uh-uh. Nothing going on around here. Nothing. Unless you're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, 88.3. That's the only thing happening here. The only thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, we'll see you, kid. Yeah, take care. Take care, yeah. Hey. Hey, kid. Kid. Look out. Look out. Look out. Oh, God. Oh. Oh. oh, tune in next week. writers. I'm T. Edsel, and I'm so pleased um, to have Benjamin Payloff here in the studio with me today. Um, welcome, Benjamin. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me. <laughs> and now you have to put your phone away. Everyone, yeah, yeah. turn off your mobile devices. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm only, I'm teasing Benjamin because he's, um, we were talking about um, his book that we're going to hear from uh, later in the show, The Politics, uh, out with Carnegie Mellon uh, Press, uh, 2011. Um, and then I was saying, oh, and how about some new poems? And so um, we're, we're going to stay tuned for some of those before the end of the hour as well. Um, which, and they're on my phone, so, <laughs> which is the thing. Yeah. Exactly, and it's, thank you for making. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't actually. I don't keep hard copies anymore. So you don't? No, no, no. Are you so when you're revising? Are you also um, just purely always on the computer on the screen? I used to, um, for many years, in fact, would do this uh, practice. I had been taught uh, in my teens to print out every version and staple it and number it and date it so that I and I still have the ones that I ha I mean I have these these you know one poem that weighs might weigh five six pounds with of paper and and staples um you see it's personal history oh yeah you can and now you can flip back and look at you can absolutely trace it you should use that for a book but okay go on with this <laughs> no i don't you know I, I i decided though i mean then i i went from that to an electronic version it's a lot less uh there's a lot less stuff to move does each um, poem have a folder 
Eh, no, each it didn't have to because it was each one was a was a was a bundle of staples. Um, but oh no, I mean on on this on on the computer. Oh uh, no, no no no. Now I um, no some of them. I um, you, typically if I'm working on something, they'll start off as individual poems that are in a file. And then as I start to see how they might be arranged in a book, I start to put the book file together and then those poems get copied into the file for the book. Wow. And that's and then, pretty, that's pretty soon in your, your process. No, the, it takes the... a while. I mean, it might take, it might take some years before I do that, but then the poems that I'm writing subsequent to that will typically be written right into the book file. Um, and then any changes I make now, yeah, I don't, I don't keep copies of earlier versions anymore. I, um, revise right on the computer and, um, sometimes we'll delete whole blocks of text on the computer. It's, it's lovely. I, I think it's wonderful to do it that way for me anyway. Really? It's so funny that you're, I mean, that you're saying this, Benjamin, because in a way, um, and I know this is entirely a different world of course but when you're talking about um writing with first year writing students or so i always say you know no keep these save as save as so that you have this path or you can go back to mine or some line or something but it's so interesting that with your your creative work what you feel like you're making you're not you're not even keeping these bits and pieces in some way for later it's some of them can be completely gone yeah and that seems freeing and something else which i can't name (laughs) no it is you know eventually um as flip as this may sound i mean it very seriously if i ever attain some higher level of spiritual perfection ah I will just delete the texts right after I'm happy with it. Um, you sound like our mutual friend, Sean Norton. I do sound like our <laughs> mutual Yes, and he's a very good friend and a, and a wonderful poet. And uh, we've talked about this sort of thing a lot. Um, otherwise, I don't really know what I'm saving the stuff for. The But what about the aspect of communicating? That's the other. I mean, that's the other side of it. Um, and... Uh, I'm not communicating my drafts to anybody particularly, you know what I mean? Like there's the the archival tendency that I certainly felt for a long time I um, now see is antithetical to what I think writing is. Um, I think it's a kind of vanity and and um, and I don't, I'm, I, I truly don't believe, uh, you know, that I'm saving anything for posterity or anything like that i but there is the yeah the immediate communication what we're doing now that i love and um and that's what uh compels me to send this stuff out into the world however however um you know however that happens uh, eventually i won't feel a need for that anymore and i'll just throw it away i don't okay well go come back to that benjamin because i don't quite believe believe you on that fully and i also because you one of the many hats that you wear um Mm -hmm. is also editor of the boston review so not only are you sending out a poetry editor of the boston review um so you are are one of the the people who um are also part of the vehicle of the communication so so it seems like in a way that you believe in that even more um, th- than maybe someone who writes the poems and bundles them away um, mm-hmm. in a drawer or, or so. Yeah, but um, 
you know that I mean that's a very good point. Uh, of course, I and, and there's no reason you would know this, but I'm retiring from Boston Review in the next um, within the next couple of issues. Uh, I've been at it for about seven years, I think. Seven. And, um, that's a, that's a good time. It is a good time, and the uh, and the the thing for me has the thing that I really love about editorial work is that you do shape um, content and you shape communication, but you do it. Uh, almost anonymously, um, much the way I love translating. I translate work that you know. If I translate a book, I wrote that book, but I am not. But it's someone else's name on it, and I get to uh, pretend to be someone else for a while and um, and advance something that is very much from my own point of view. In fact. Um, but is in the guise of another writer, so somehow fused with some other writer, um, and it's it's highly collaborative, and I like that kind of erasure of myself from from that process. And and so and so going to to the Boston Review part, mm -hmm. where you, because you're also then choosing. Um, what other people who like some people who get the Boston Review? I'm sure that's the first section they turn to. You I know, hope there's so. readers for yeah, of course it is for the poetry. Right, right. But they have to turn a lot of pages to get there. Though, isn't they? Well, you know, if, uh, it stirs up the air. Right, right. If you've got if you're not reading it online, right, I exactly. Um, I don't know why, but I almost like felt like blessing, blessing myself, like the passing of the the paper magazine. But well, let's not go there yet. Um, if or if at all this hour Benjamin because yeah. this is about you and your your new book the politics so we we, okay. we we must get back to that um as well um but but yeah the like the the the, the idea of um the poems that you're 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 choosing it's what people will see and think yeah. about and that and the the Boston Review it's you know that's um it's it's not it's not coming out every day, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's it's very you you are having to um, think that these are the ones that we want this community to to think about. And that's 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 true. And the um, what I really love, and I, I truly truly love this about uh, that magazine, and it's been um, it's been a, a profound. I think it's fair to say profound. Uh, influence on my on my life and and on my work, but what I really admire most about it is that it is um, structured as a forum. Uh, there are articles about politics. There are articles about uh, culture. There's uh, movie review. There's fiction review. There's poetry criticism as well as poems and original fiction. Um, the poetry and criticism. Poetry criticism is edited by myself and Timothy Donnelly, who's been there for at least twice as long as I have. Um, and uh, the fiction is edited by uh, Juno Diaz, who's a fantastic novelist. Uh, and uh, and it's, it's a really, really cool thing to be a part of, knowing that someone is reading uh, an article about politics by a senator and seeing um, a poem in the sidebar and mm -hmm. um, like it or not, thinking about how those two things are connected. And uh, and we connect them as deliberately as the as the space and layout will allow, um, and that that's important to me because because I don't think of these things as separate uh, discourses. And is that is is that 
quality, what you're talking about mm-hmm. and this connection, what's been part of the profound impact on your life and, and your, your own creative work is that... I think what's been profound for me is not only knowing that something like that exists, but that it could be a home for me. Um, I, uh, you know, the, the, the life I have is one that is very much manufactured, uh, very deliberately engineered. Uh, how, I, how so? Well, I, I, um, you know, I grew up in a, in a house that, um, was troubled in many ways. Atlant- and, in Atlantic City. Yeah, I grew up in Atlantic City, um. Uh, which I would describe in terms that the uh, FCC would not appreciate. Uh, and um, the, um, you know, I, and, and I had a, a very troubled family and, um, and saw um, education, I guess, and reading. I started discovered poetry, contemporary American poetry, fairly young. Before, is that, were you 17 or was that when you were reading Herbert and Miłosz? That was when I was reading Herbert and Miłosz, actually. When I started reading Polish poetry was when I was 17. I started reading contemporary American poetry when I was 14, a fellow named Peter Murphy. Um, oh. uh, amazing. Um, and that's the first person you... He's the first person, I think. With tremendous love to Peter Murphy. In yes. The, uh, yes. Yeah. Good catch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, Peter Murphy uh, is the guy who um, first introduced me to poets who, well, you know, it's the name of your, your your show is The Living Writers. Before that, I had no idea that anyone but myself wrote poems. Um, and, uh, uh, and he had a, a wonderful um, library uh, of, of contemporary American poetry. He'd loan me a few books every week and I'd return them and get a, a stack back and we would talk about them and... Um, and, and this I, is when you were 14. Yeah, starting when I was 14, and I saw this as a way out. Um, and, and maybe into your mind. Or... Yeah, although I needed a way out of that too, but I needed to see, yeah, I, 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 I wanted to see what, what this literature stuff could really do, and, uh, and he showed me what it could really do. And uh, it was, this was one of those life-changing moments. Um, but... Uh, you know, we had no money. I went to college. Uh, I took everything I owned with me. And that and you, that was Harvard. Yeah, yeah, that was Harvard. Um, that was my. Um, uh, that was the place I applied because I had read that they would pay if you got in. <laughs> awesome. Um, so yeah, so I ended up. Yeah, uh, and they were very good to me. I went. You know, I I I applied to the. I applied to one school, and they let me in, and I went, and I. And uh, they paid for school for me. And that was what I did for a living. And that's what I still do. For <laughs> we're going to take a short break. And then sure. we're going we're gonna to come back. We're going to hear more about this living Benjamin Payloff and also the politics. Um, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. True love regrets to inform you. There are certain things you must do. To perceive his face in the stains on the wall I didn't know what time it was at all I didn't know what time it was at all
time it was at all I didn't know what time it was at all Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and I'd like to thank Tex for being the man behind the sound. <laughs> and and welcome back. If you're just, just tuning in, I'm so glad you did. Benjamin Payloff is here in the studio, uh, and we're having a good talk, and we're going to hear some poems, and we're going to even talk about your work in translation, too, mm-hmm. um, and essays and that include monkeys can never go wrong yes <laughs> with, with a monkey in poems and in essays i've noticed yeah I, a monkey theme yeah i don't i don't know how that happened but you know i myself am a primate um so i <laughs> you know. feel <laughs> exactly that everything's connected yes exactly and you know before we go any further i will read the short bio um on the back of your book the politics um out with carnegie mellon university press and and a quick shout out to cynthia lamb and all her colleagues over there at carnegie mellon because they may be listening Benjamin, because so. they know they know we're having a talk today um so the politics Benjamin Payloff grew up in Atlantic City and is a poetry editor at Boston Review. His poems have appeared in The New Republic, A Public Space, The Paris Review, and elsewhere, and he writes frequently for such publications as The Nation and The Times Literary Supplement. The recipient of grants and fellowships from the U.S. Fulbright Program and the National Endowment for the Arts, he is also the translator of several works from the Central and Eastern European literatures. He teaches at the University of Michigan. So, Michigan's own Benjamin Payloff here in the studio today. Thanks for being here. <laughs> I don't think of myself as Michigan's own. I mean, I, I do. I'm certainly of this university. Um, yes. But, uh, okay. But I th- I'm very much from Jersey. And, uh, and... I, oh, I'm so sorry then that I even oh, put no. that in. Like, oh, keep, no. 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 I keep trying to claim you for Michigan no. somehow. I'm, you know, I'm, it's really, I, I'm saying that as a kind of response out loud to myself, is do I think of myself as being from Michigan? I, 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 and I don't. Um, but it is Jersey. It's, it's in the shore. Yeah, I'm from the Jersey Shore, um, which is something I think I tried not to be from for a long time, but it's... It, when know. you were in Boston for your, your yeah. BA, your master's, and your PhD yeah. at Harvard. Yeah, I lived, at, I lived in Boston for a lot of years and, um, and lived in Europe. A lot off and on um, during during that time, and that wasn't just the Fulbright. That was getting over there and you know, uh, like in the, way before that. Yeah, yeah. for summers, uh, I spent a lot of summers in um, in in Russia, Poland, and Czech Republic. Uh, and and you're fluent in all three of these because you're working I'm, in translation, but you're also yeah. I would say um, the word fluent is something very uh, nebulous to me, but I can um, I, I can order a coffee and. In all of them, and, and, and when uh, you're over there, do you dream in the language? Then do pieces? Yeah, and of, sometimes, yes. I, and sometimes here too. Uh, oh. depend, it depends on yeah how much I've been reading in a given language, um, and um, it's very. But although it's very strange because uh, you know muscle memory plays a big part in speaking a language, ah. and um, and uh, my 
when I'm in Michigan, for a number of reasons, I speak uh, English and Polish mostly, and less Russian and the least of all Czech. And um, I lose the muscle memory and can dream things more clearly and fluently than I can speak them because I just don't have the immediate. So it's really a way, the way the mouth is moving and the tongue and the. Yeah, absolutely. The breath. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, and the position of the language in your mouth, in fact, because Russian is uh, a language you speak further back in your throat. Um, and and could you could you order a coffee now in Russian? <laughs> <laughs> or just like, yeah, you could say coffee, пожалуйста. You know, just very. It's pretty so easy it is, enough. Yeah. Um, but it does. Yeah, it does occur uh, further back uh, in the throat. It's a, people say it's you know it's a more guttural language and uh, mm. and Polish. Um, uh, is is something closer to where English is, I guess, which makes it easier. Huh. And then Czech. And Czech is kind of like singing. So um, uh, Czech is a Czech is a rhythmically. Each one of these languages has a different rhythmic system, uh, which uh, is one of those qualities of language. Uh, and I've read a little bit of linguistic research on this that suggests that it's one of those qualities of language that's actually very difficult to um, jump back and forth. Uh, in so that um, French, for example, which has a, um, a different rhythmic system from English, is uh, is a, a language where even an exceptional speaker, a non-native speaker of French, can usually be detected uh, by a native speaker because the the stresses are a mm. slightly off, um, or or more accurately, the stresses are stronger in English than they are in French. Um, and uh, yeah, and we can't help but apply them if you're an English. You it's really hard. Yeah, it's yeah. very very hard not to. You know, Czech stresses the first syllable of every word. It's very hard to switch from our variable mm. stress in English to to that. But it it makes for some really interesting um, and and odd things to to look at in a poem, for example, uh, which has a different metrical system has a different sound system um, in those languages because their whole rhythm of the language is different. So how are you addressing that in your translations, Benjamin, with um, the the lodgings? We have selected poems by... Uh, by Andrzej Sosnowski. Um, yeah, this book came out about the same time as my book, The Politics. Um, it's from Open Letter Press. Um, I feel like for the sake of those with a connection to uh, a bookstore <laughs> to spell Sosnowski. Oh, yes. Uh, S-O-S-N-O-W-S-K-I. And um, lovely addition, too. I like this, the they, greenness I of think, it. I think they did a beautiful edition of it. It's the first. Um, this uh, is a wonderful publisher that publishes only literature in translation. And uh, and have you worked with them before, Benjamin, no. on the other? Because you have... Uh, three other books of translation. Yeah, yeah, and um, and a fifth one coming out in April, and each one is with a different press. Uh, and this one is uh, with not o- playing favorites. I'm not playing favorites. <laughs> no, actually, I one of the th- I, I I I really did want uh, to work with different presses, um, and uh, we'll see if any of them invite me back. But um, I don't think I'm that easy to work with. But uh, but uh, why do you say that? I th- because I tend to be pulled in many different directions and I take a lot of time to do things. So um, people send me emails and then they want, you know, I tend to be worse and worse with deadlines. I have two children and yes. um, and uh, and if they're listening, I love them both very much, but they're not good for deadlines. Um, and uh, 
and yeah, they did a beautiful job on this. This is their first book of poems that they that they've done, and um, and now we're putting one out every year. And so, with the translate translating Benjamin, when you're doing this, how much is that? If you're translating um, from Czech into English, mm-hmm. and that you've got that first stress, mm-hmm. or uh, or on the so, how much is that? in your initial translate in in your consideration of mm-hmm. all of the things the layers of meanings that mm-hmm. poems have in your translation like when does the 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 metrical uh component come into it um i think that it depends on um what it is about the individual poem that i really love uh enough to spend the otherwise thankless time mm-hmm. uh translating it um, if it's a poem that I love that's written in a, say, traditional or fixed verse form, then um, I have to accept that it is that traditional form that that is part of my love for it and oh. therefore am compelled to... Keep it somehow. Yeah. yeah, or to render it in some way that conveys to myself and my own ear in English the same kind of pleasure. Um, if mm. I If I don't feel the same pleasure... Uh, from the translation, then I really haven't translated it. Okay. Before we go on with translation, mm-hmm. I'm going to, we're looping around. I want yeah, to go please. to the politics sure. because I feel like I, I want to hear one of your poems before we have you, like, as you said earlier, for a while, you're pretending to be someone else, even though it's you mm-hmm. going through this, the, the work of someone else. So could you read us a poem from the politics? Do you have Benjamin? one in mind? I always like to see what, what you'll pick. I mean, I started I I started dog earing and then I had to undog ear because I was dog earing too much and then I kept dog earing. So no you read which um, poem you All right. Uh, this as is, long as it's not the last poem in the book. Um, <laughs> does it have expletives? In it, it does have one. Yeah, I do no, I see it. I see, you're right. Um, the um, what a strange rule. Uh, uh, thank you, FCC. Yeah. I know, even for art, right? Well, you know, I think that Eminem had it right. The FCC won't let me be or let me be me. They tried to shut me down on MTV, but it feels so empty without me. You know, I, I, that I was, think now was just, that that could be a third epigraph that could be for a, the politics. Yes, right, right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> You'd be Kafka, Kafka, the new pornographers. And Eminem. <laughs> yeah, I could. Uh, I don't think it would work thematically, but that's... <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, right. Um, there would not be the same framing device. Right, exactly. Okay. Uh, but um, I... Here, I'll read a poem um, since we were talking about... Uh, Pretending to be somebody else, uh, a lot of these poems are written mm-hmm. from the point of, not well, they're not really from the point of view, but they're written with the names of um, some impor- p- important thinkers. Uh, Seneca, in for, ex- Seneca example. for example. Who's, who's, uh, who's, um, who has a certain kind of tone. Each one of these thinkers has a certain kind of tone that I found useful for the poems that I was writing at the time. So um, these poems are not really in the voice of uh, so much as um, ripping off uh, uh, rhetorical strategy or something like that. So that's how you got the the tone reading Seneca. That's in that yeah. sense of it. Is, yes, I see. yes. Although the um, although the titles of the poems are 
actual for in most cases you know i'll read a poem called maimonides on the indestructibility of the universe and in uh maimonides uh, guide for the perplexed he has a, a chapter on the indestructibility of the universe um which was something i was concerned about um uh, so this is maimonides on the indestructibility of the universe if i've been placed on this earth to test its weathered ladders in no way can i be alone it's on a morning show that I see Gene Shalit raging against the stars, in the paper that I read a story about a doctor in Florida who threw his two sons, then himself, each his own story, 15 stories off a balcony, just as his wife was coming out of the hotel bathroom with wet hands. In the painting, I notice that the angel who restrains Caravaggio's Abraham bears the likeness of Isaac, the seed of Abraham, so that it is Abraham arriving in the nick of time to stop himself from destroying himself, which is why the blade is almost transparent, the ram waiting patiently to close the circuit. I say that God is somewhere in the opening and closing of these circuits, a light you flick on and off to signal love or distress across the courtyard. Across the rail yard, I am led by the light in the station master's window, though the station master has long since been replaced by indifferent machines, which throw the switches and cancel the cold sacrifices of physics. They open the circuits, and the circuits say, this is not your transport. If anything happens to you here, no one will help you. No matter what happens, refuse to take the stage in the theater they've made of your temple. Thank you, Benjamin. Um, and and so it's 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 interesting to me too because the the cover of the book then yeah. is this painting Caravaggio. Yeah, this is Caravaggio's um, sacrifice of Isaac. Yeah. And was that something that you said? This is what I'd like to be because when you said, "Oh, people working with me," and yeah. you know, is this part of it? Because you were like, "I have this idea for the cover, and it should be." Yeah to go along with this poem. Yeah, they were very nice about that. I said that it would, um, that this is what I, um, I, in fact, what I, what I had specified was where I wanted the fold to be. So, um, ah, that's, because, I, because that's what I wondered. The, the image that you see on the cover, on the front part of the cover is just the, uh, is just Isaac being held down by the nape of his neck and, uh, and the knife knife, which, which does look, um, somewhat transparent. And this, yes, as your poem, mm says and um and the the ram is there too and the ram is looking up and yeah this is um yeah this is a very political image to me uh uh and um and and in fact you know and then if you look on the back you can see you can barely you you can barely make out uh because of my um author photo well i wondered if that was was placed um over the angel's face deliberately. Yes, that's what I thought, actually. God, I hope not. Uh, I, I hope not. I, um, well, you had nothing to do with yes, it. Yes, exactly. But, <laughs> Benjamin, but, are you an angel? <laughs> Lord knows I'm not. <laughs> the seed uh, of Abraham. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But of that I am. That, that, yes. Yes, yes. yes. Well, let's, um, well, let's take a... Well, would you like to say... Oh, just that, you know, the, uh, <laughs> um, just that, you know, one of the, the things I love about that painting is that is that Caravaggio did actually use the same model for the angel and for Isaac. Um, and they, and you can, and I, and I saw that before I read it, um, which was something that I found, um, found resonant with me somehow, but it's a story that's been around my, you know, all my life. So, um, you know, uh, I, I had a religious upbringing to, to an extent and, uh, and it's something I was certainly aware of. And when you're young in these stories, 
are around you. They 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 stay in there unless you oh, forcibly yeah. dislodge them, as it, well. which is a way of <laughs> making them stay too. Right. Yes, but somehow reckoning. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, that's what politics is all about. Yes, we take a short break and then we'll hear more (laughs) about (laughs) elaborate on that. Um, You're listening to Living Writers today on the program. Benjamin Payloff is here. I'm T. Hetzel, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. You've got Living Writers on WCBN, FM, Ann Arbor. I'm T. Hetzel, and today on the program, I'm so pleased to have Benjamin Payloff here um, in the studio. His book, The Politics, out with Carnegie Mellon uh, Press. Actually, I always think it's supposed to be, it's Carnegie, isn't it? We were talking, yeah, you're saying that, you know, it's not, it's not Mil- oh. Milos, it's, it's Miwosh, it's not uh, Thoreau, which was shocking to me, it's Thoreau. And yes, it's supposed to, it's, his name was Andrew Carnegie. Um, but yeah, we don't say that. Uh, yeah, and... although some names manage to get through, like we do say now, Camus, we're not saying Camus. Camus, although, you know, yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> some, things, some things get through, although, you know, I like, you know, you can kind of think of it as that um, the uh, the kind of uh, greedy, evil, um, uh, industrialist robber baron was Andrew Carnegie. But oh. the philanthropist was Andrew Carnegie. <laughs> and he, Actually, gave, he gave us all these wonderful brilliant. things. Brilliant. The libraries. <laughs> exactly. the... Libraries, universities, and all of these, you know, uh, music halls. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't confuse him with his evil twin. <laughs> I really like that. The universe works in some ways, doesn't it? It, it, does, it does, in some ways. It's certainly, the universe works in ways. In yeah. ways, yeah. Because him, he, like he probably, part of his vision was trying to to make sure his name was remembered. Yes, I think that that, I, <laughs> that, that, that would explain why his name's on so much stuff. <laughs> he just didn't, he didn't know to, to, yeah, to specify exactly how. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, okay, so, so when we took the break, um, uh, Benjamin, you were saying that, so it, it's a, can you, can you say a little bit more about, because you said, and that's why the book is called The Politics. Yeah. And, and it seems like in your, let's see, in your 95 Theses on Poetry and Impermanence, um, there's, what is it, line 85? Where, where did you find that? <laughs> 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 um, really do you want to know because when you when you did the talk there was this was sent out to us yeah and i i keep you things keep, i mean yeah, the wow. miracle of gmail yeah yeah um is that you don't have to erase it like going back to our earlier um but number 83 i'm sorry i stand corrected uh we call the process of negotiating changes in relation between points of difference 
politics. Um, yeah, I think that that's about right. Um, so the book, though, so is the politics. Yeah. Whew. Whew. Why is it called the politics? Um, you know, I, I was interested in writing a book that was, um, I didn't know this initially when I started writing the book, but when I got very well into the book, I realized that what I was writing was something um, that uh, stemmed from my ongoing interest in how we negotiate um, difficult disagreements in any kind of closed system, whether it's a um, community or an organization or in fact ourselves. Uh, mm. And that uh, those are negotiations that inevitably result in um, some kind of uh, gain through loss, right? That you, um, you know, people, there's a lot of discussion today in American politics and in, in, on the national level about uh, whether you keep to principles, for example, and um, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I don't think principles have any, any um, real place in a negotiation. Uh, when I'm, when I want my daughter, again, uh, if my kids are listening to this, to ignore this part, uh, <laughs> if I want my daughter to eat uh, 10 green beans, I don't say eat 10 green beans because I know that's not, that may be my principle, but that's not a negotiating point because that already shuts down the negotiation. Just as she knows not to say zero because that may be her principle, but it's not a negotiating point. Uh, my actual target is probably around five. Her actual target is, is as few as possible. And then so we, we state what we think is a not a target, but a reasonable starting point on the way to a target. And we both find our way to something that we can both live with. I think that we do that with ourselves. Um, this uh, book was written from 2004 to 2007 during a um, what seemed an almost fantastically bizarre time in American politics yes. and ah. uh, and one in which people were talking uh, a great deal about, you know, um, standing on principles as though there were some kind of virtue in that uh, as opposed to um, actually formulating public policy in a way that met their own policy goals, yes. um, which is which is strange to me. You know, I, I there were a lot of questions about whether you support uh, one political position or another. And I, I didn't really that just didn't make any sense to me. I think that we don't support political outcomes. Um, we simply uh, accede to, <laughs> to yes. that, that this might be the, the best we can do under a certain set of circumstances. Um, I feel like you need to talk to the Senate. Our, I mean, not in the old days, like not, yeah, I, mean, right. I mean, in our present day U.S. Um, Senate and actually say this even about um, the, the health care reform, Obamacare, yeah, <laughs> you know, these sure. ideas of how, yes. Yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, I and but I was most interested in how that works with myself. Um, and, and the politics is largely an internal politics uh, in this book. And um, is that why you're also calling upon the ancient voices like yes, older and philosophers very and very much. And you have a background um, in in philosophy. Was that your master's, or what was no, your? No, I, I, uh, I studied um, and continue to study philosophy in literature and philosophies of representation as part of my own uh, scholarly research. Oh, it's an interest of mine. Um, I don't have any formal training in philosophy other than you know 
courses. Um, but uh, um, and your own and your own pursuit and your and, and your yeah, love and of no, it. It's, it's something that I've been um, uh, following in a way that I'm sure a, a more disciplined uh, philosopher would find. Ah. Uh, well, they have they they you know they got game too. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I'm, I'm I was playing a, a somewhat or am playing a, a, a somewhat different game in some ways and. Um, or rather, I'm I'm training it, training in a different way, um, which this I think is part of. Like, you this you feels mean the, like the that, theses? Yes. Uh, the 95 theses is part of a a book project that I started um, a little more than a year ago. The um, imp impermanence of yeah, specifically on on um, uh, as an investigation of uh, poetry and impermanence, and of poetry as a way of tracing rather than. Um, than trying to stave off impermanence. Um, and it also talks a lot about translation, but it begins with these, um, you know, there's an, in, the way, it, it, the shape of the of the book right now is that it's, uh, there's an introduction, uh, a my 95 theses, and then an exegesis of the theses um, with examples. Um, so we'll, I mean, we'll see if that it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a bit pompous, but it's fine. You know, I can, I can be pompous. Uh, why not? Why not? Um, well, that's sort of I, that kind of illustrates what politics to me is about. Is yeah, you know what? I can. I don't want to be pompous, but I am pompous sometimes, and I can admit that, and I can deal with it. And uh, I think that uh, that a lot of what I see, both in frankly in in uh, poetry criticism, literary criticism, and uh, and uh, it, and in uh, say um, national politics in the United States is is, is the same. It's a mm. form of self delusion because we don't like to admit that things are not um, uh, quick, clear cut in ourselves, uh, let alone in our in our societies at large. That sometimes, yeah, you know, um, you choose. Um, sometimes when you, sometimes you have to make a choice that is the wrong choice because there is no right choice. And that's, I mean, that, that to me is a kind of adult reality. I don't understand why that's hard for people to, um, to accept. Um, you know, you can, uh, you can, or, it, or try to reframe it so that you're using somebody else's dealing with an adult choice of make, there's two wrong ish ones, but then using it against them to say, well, this is the choice they made as if it was the closest, dearest thing to their heart, mm -hmm. you know, instead of understanding that, there's sometimes bad both choices are bad or there's yeah well this is something you know um um i'm a jew and i'm and i'm a religious jew uh in um my own unorthodox way and uh, and and there's a definition of judaism by uh, the um jewish um philosopher emmanuel um, levinas um a wonderful philosopher wrote in french uh who says that um, he was talking about justice, and he says that Jewish uh, justice is recognizing that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is a form of justice, mm -hmm. but never asking for that form of justice for oneself. And then he goes on to say, in this way, Judaism is truly a religion for adults. <laughs> and uh, while I, I, quote that uh, without uh, without making any judgment of other religious or moral traditions, to me, this is really what, yeah, this is an adult um, capability of recognizing that, yeah, it, just because I don't ask for that for myself, 
I don't say it's no longer justice. It's clearly a form of justice, mm. um, but it's not my form of justice. Uh, uh, I can take a different path and it may be a more difficult path. It's interesting when to hear you to speak, Benjamin, because I, 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 that's why it's surprising to me. I feel like you're, you're moving within the, the, the world or the dialectic of philosophy in, in your own thought almost always, or maybe it's, because hmm. this book is, 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 it's you talking with people who are gone, even a, a British mathematician. Um, mm, yeah. I, so there it's, it's looking to the old, but using things from the the present. Um, not just. Well, you know, I'm really, really resistant to anything that strikes me as, um, pie in the sky. Um, I don't like, um, I, I don't assume that anything is true just because I wish it were. Uh, in fact, if I wish it were true, then it's something that I'm more likely to be resistant to or at least um, interrogate a bit more. And, uh, you know, this this is a book that uh, almost, I mean, there are a couple of things in it that are reimagined. And there's certainly lots of elements of the book that are reconfigured. But it consists of facts. Um, you know, if something, if anything happens to you here, no one will help you. That line from the poem I just read is something that was actually said to my wife, <laughs> um, and uh, and under under uh, peculiar circumstances, and it stood out to me as something that seemed um, uh, honest and accurate. Mm -hmm. uh, I I tend to be resistant to uh, to anything, but especially to poems that seem to me fundamentally unfaithful to the world as I actually experience it. Uh, and I really, really, I, I genuinely reject poetry that re that is um, fantastical in that way. Uh, I think that poetry works the opposite way. I think poetry is supposed to connect us to the real world, not uh, abstract it or abstract us from it. But, you, by, but by that, um, Benjamin, do you mean uh, using like absurdists ways to tell a story in order to show something that's true not that no right? no oh no, good no, okay no, i just wanted to clarify not at all no that. no i think that uh no uh, i i i i you know am a big fan of say futurist writing or things that are um or even say uh, surrealist writing but the but the idea is um even there to use language in such a way as to spark a reconnection with reality as it is, as right. opposed to right. distracting us from reality as it is. Whereas um, I read uh, quite a bit of um, poetry. I don't want to, I'm not going to name names, but I read a lot of poetry that tends to be, say, politically or socially self-righteous, which is a form of self-delusion as far as I'm concerned. Um, or poems that make statements or assertions that I find uh, simply um, unfaithful to reality as I recognize it. Um, not, be, not because they twist it or warp it, but you know, I, I think that, that Dickinson is right, tell the truth, but tell it slant. But the slant is not um, an embellishment. The slant is a way of recognizing the truth that was just stated. Mm-hmm. Yes. We're going to take a short break and be right back. Okay. A, a really short break. You've, you're listening to Living Writers. Today on the program, Benjamin Payloff is here. His book, The Politics. Hey, hey, hey. 
Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. And today on our program, the politics, the book, the man, Benjamin Payloff. Um, <laughs> that was like very dramatic that was awesome. intro. Um, and hey, thanks for picking the songs for the, the show, too. Oh, and oh I, my pleasure. And, and you said you did this sort of on the fly before you went to yeah, lecture. Yeah, I was teaching today. So I, um, yeah, and I was... Um, I, I was neck deep in letters of recommendation. So yeah, I was doing... Tis the season. Uh, Tis the season. Although everyone always says that, and it's always the season. It's always... <laughs> you know, I run into my, my exhausted colleagues. They always say, well, you know, it's that time of year. Like, yeah, well, it, when is it not that time of year? Um, when is it people aren't looking... We're not looking haggard. <laughs> exactly. Well, we, you know... We, we work and live within uh, a medieval institution. <laughs> Academia is a medieval institution. We are that, living our little medieval lives. Um, <laughs> that it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Is that, you know, is that part of the reason you're also taking a step then away from the Boston Review because of time and because of what's required and and also what it what's required in making anything or that is um that's that's a big part of it um i certainly the demands on my own time personally have been um have been only increasing and um and um the decision to step away from to to retire from boston review after um these um i think seven years um is um is is actually very difficult for me emotionally but it's something i think i need to uh to do also because it's not something uh quite frankly it's not something i enjoy doing um nearly as much as i used to uh in part because of those those constraints on my time um where you know you get you get extended to a point where um anything you do is time stolen from something else that you're uh otherwise supposed to be doing and uh and it's and the and boston review is a um project i believe in yes. um uh, uh very thoroughly and 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 i think it deserves um more than that um but it's uh but it also means that you know it's also because of the um the level of distraction that comes out of other things that i'm doing means that i i don't get just i just don't get the pleasure quite as much as i i used to the, that pleasure of reading um New work by mm. people, some of whom you've um, you've read before, and most of whom you've never read, and just being excited about it, and um, and uh, and in some ways frustrated by the fact that you can only publish uh, you know sixty or 70s, seventy of these poems uh, in a given year. Um, you know, we publish far fewer poems than I think are worthwhile and worth attention. Um, but uh, that's a that's a reality. Well, well, let's well let's talk about your translations sure. a little bit, mm -hmm. um, because that's also another that's another thing you believe in. But it's also something that seems to, well, well inform. I don't know. I was just going to say inform your work, but I'm also thinking, what is what what sort of poems have you been? making since 2007 when this manuscript went to Carnegie Mellon. So in yeah, in 2007, um I finished the book uh The Politics and I started some other things. Um and I was translating also this book um by uh Sosnovsky Lodgings. And um, why why him? I really love his work. Um I uh, 
find it uh, resonates a great deal with my own sensibility uh, as a as a poet, um, as a writer, as a thinker about literature. He is also um, a very uh, active translator himself of American poetry into Polish, uh, and specifically the um, uh, poetry of the New York School, and uh, and especially of, of of writers like John Ashbery, who's another writer I admire a great deal, and um, yes, and and the he has. Uh, absorbed certain features of um, Ashbery's idiom and certain features of O'Hara's idiom, and um, and has also uh, gone uh, very deep into um, some of the French uh, uh, inspiration for Ashbery as well. He's absorbed all of this in the and, the Baudelaire. And then, well, <laughs> and, maybe and, that's <laughs> well, especially people like uh, Raymond Roussel and. Um, and uh, he is um, uh, he's he's one of these writers who uh, I mean, Sosnovsky, I mean, is a writer I can translate feeling that I am uh, when I read him in Polish that I'm looking at a certain aspect of my own culture and my own idiom um, through a funhouse mirror. And then I get to bend that mirror back into English so that you can um, you know, imagine bending a funhouse mirror back into a flat mirror. Which is it, already bent, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it so won't, it, and, and what you end up with is something that is not quite the mirror. You know, it's not quite a, it's not quite one or the other. It's the real um, and the unreal. Exactly, together. exactly. So this is, a, for me, this is a, an extraordinary, uh, it's been an extraordinary productive and, um, and uh, at times grueling could you uh, read us a few lines then? Yeah. Maybe an excerpt from, because, uh, or are they, okay, maybe they're, they're not long. I was, they're not I was that, wondering. No, they're okay. not long. I mean, there are some, there are a few longer poems in here. There's certainly a f- some, some very, there are some very long poems in his book, uh, in his other books, but I, I didn't, um, I decided to go mostly with shorter. And he's still um, alive then? Lyrics. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's still very, um, do you very ta- productive. Do you and, talk with him then, Benjamin, yeah. when you're doing these translations? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, although he's the best kind of, um, he's, I've been fortunate to work with some very wonderful living writers uh, uh, translating them. And, and uh, Sosnovsky's attitude is, um, is delightful because he says, you know, he, he'll catch a mistake. But he'll otherwise say, you know, it's your your thing, so you just do go whatever. on, yeah, go, go on, go do your thing. Um, so uh, one poem that I that I um, would uh, would would really enjoy uh, reading by him is uh, is called "What Is Poetry?" Uh, without any question mark, and it's uh, and when I first translated it, I tran- the first version I had had a tra- had a question mark, and um, and he saw that and he said, no, no, it's this is. What is poetry um, without a question mark, as in John Ashbery's poem from the book Houseboat Days? Um, and to see these two poems then in dialogue with each other, um, after having already produced a, 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 an early version of the translation, uh, and then go to go back and read an American poet in order to reprocess the Polish poem and then reprocess the English translation was, was really great. So I'll, I'll read that. Um, what is poetry? Sure, it's no strategy for survival, nothing to live on. Your obstinacy is laughable as you recall the enchanted lakes, the rustling woods, and hushed caverns, where a voice echoes out vividly and has for centuries. Sibyls? What matters is leaves, 
than maybe the rhyme of voice and choice, since voices press against the world, and choice is that which does not entrust names to leaves. Just you try to catch them. Try to touch the ground and fly farther, like a flat stone over water. How many times? Five, twelve? A sequence of poems and reflections, a sequence of leaves, and anyway, all the stones and leaves lie one beside the other according to an ancient order, their forms unclear. Then there's the cavern or the teeny room, but that gust, the draft as you open the door, and the wind disperses the leaves, and the world rears up, and the words come like a sprinkling of confetti. But don't give us the stink eye. Don't head out a sourpuss, not yet. No need to regret delay, for maybe it will sing. Perhaps it will suddenly say what people and wars are like, travels and travails, how things stand, what news. Thank you. Thank you. And that, so, and that was... Um... Could you say his name? Yeah, yeah. his name is Andrzej Sosnowski. And, and his book. And his book is called Lodgings, Lodgings Selected so, Poems. And this was just out as well. So yeah, this new, just came out. Book. This came out a few weeks uh, of the politics. What? A, yeah, what a wonderful year. And now ahead, you said in a, in a few months, an, a new book is coming out of translation. And who is that? Yeah, that is by a guy named Marek Bienczyk, B-I-E-N-C-Z-Y-K. Great names. Great names, yeah. Um, I did a, a novel of Bienczyk, so an amazing novel called Tvorki, T-W-O-R-K-I, which is the name of a, a psychiatric institution in uh, Warsaw. Um and uh, uh, the um, and and the next book, uh, which will be out from Dalkey Archive Press in in April, is called Transparency, and it's a book length essay on transparency. Well, it's then beautiful. maybe we'll have a part two then, that Benjamin, would be great. if you don't mind coming back. It would be my pleasure. <laughs> Thanks so much for today's conversation. Thank you. And you've been listening to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Thanks to Tex for engineering. Thanks all you for listening out there. Um, thanks, Benjamin Payloff. Thanks very much, T. Until next time. This is Free Speech Radio News for Wednesday, the 1st of February, 2012, in Los Angeles. I'm Dorian Marina. Coming up, President Obama announces plans to extend mortgage relief to struggling homeowners, but a government budget study paints a bleak picture of what's to come. And as budget cuts hit schools across the country, high school students in New York walk out to protest closures. And we'll go to the Philippines, where an historic impeachment trial is testing the government's pledge to root out corruption. 
Those stories and more, but first, this news. I'm Jess Burns with headlines for FSRN. The Republican-controlled Indiana Senate today passed a right-to-work bill. Under the legislation, workers who choose not to join unions will still be able to reap the benefits of collective bargaining without having to pay basic union fees. Hundreds of protesters crowded the Capitol today. They have vowed to protest the Super Bowl happening in Indianapolis this Sunday. The Indiana governor has promised to sign the legislation into law. Yesterday, presidential candidate Mitt Romney won the Republican primary in Florida and with it all of the state's 50 delegates. He would have won 100 delegates, but the Republican National Committee penalized the state for holding its elections early. Now a Latino group is suing the RNC to restore the lost delegates. FSRN's Janelle Irwin reports a favorable outcome in the case could reshape the way primary schedules are created in future elections. Attorney Michael Steinberg represents the Hillsborough Hispanic Coalition. He claims the current schedule for presidential primaries is discriminatory toward Latinos, because the states that are allowed to hold their elections early don't have a significant Latino